0: Join us for a special edition of Alabama Unfiltered, where we interview three candidates running for state office, two for state auditor, one for secretary of state, and believe it or not, they're fascinating interview because they're fascinating people. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome into this special edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am Amy Beth Shaver along with Allison Sinclair. Scott is off today uh, because he has hosting duties for something this evening, but we are joined in studio by um, our Secretary of State candidate and two candidates for Auditor's Office. But before that, I want to let you know that you can go and sign up for 1819 News, you can subscribe. It can come to your inbox every morning. You can find out exactly what's going on in Alabama. You can also sign up if you'd like for the daily detail. And then make sure if you go on all the social media sites like YouTube, um, 1819 News, Gab, Getter, wherever else we are. I mean, who knows? It's spreading like wildfire. Give us a five-star review, a thumbs up, share it, like it, tell your friends about it. But we're excited to get started with Andrew Sorrell, who is a candidate for auditor. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Great to be in here with you.
2: Uh, We're going to get to what in the world is the state auditor, but first tell us a little bit about your background, how you got here, why in the world state auditor?
1: Sure. So we ended up in Alabama because my dad's a preacher. So my dad, granddad, and great granddad are all three preachers, and I'm a politician, so I totally messed that up. But nonetheless, we got called to a church in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, when I was six years old. We moved here in 1991, and so I've spent the last 30 years of my life here graduated uh, graduated Muscle Shoals High School in 2004, graduated University of North Alabama in 2006. So if you do the math, that's two years. I did set a record at UNA as the fastest person to ever graduate, earned my four-year business management degree in less than two years. And actually, okay.
2: Did you take high school classes? Like high school, college
1: prep? When I was in high school, I did take some college classes. Okay. So I had a little bit of a head start. And then I took overloads. I remember mean, it was one semester, I took seven core classes. And I went summers and I just, I, I got done in less than two years.
2: Was that purposeful? I guess it has oh, yeah. to be. I,
1: I was intentionally trying to get done quickly because so. I started my first business and I wanted to get to that.
0: Which was wow.
1: yeah, internet college textbook sales. I started when I was 16 in my parents screen porch, my brother and I started that company grew to be quite large. We did 9 million in revenue one year. We had almost 40 employees at one point, And I just sold that company about a year ago.
2: You're a hustler.
1: I'm a serial entrepreneur. So
2: were you
0: selling things when you were like really young? Always. Always.
1: Yeah, I took took my Halloween candy to school and used to sell it off.
0: You know, of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. Okay. So you're running for auditor. Yes. What in the world does an auditor do?
1: Well, I had to ask myself that question in 2019 because, you know, I serve in the legislature Mm -hmm. and there were two bills introduced to eliminate the state auditor. And actually, I remember going and sitting down with the current state auditor, Jim Ziegler, and saying, what exactly is it this position does? Because, look, we've all been guilty of voting for state auditor and not fully understanding the position, Right.
3: right? Guilty. And
1: Right. So what Jim told me was the state auditor tracks all the state's property, so not the real estate. We're talking the personal property items, the pickup trucks, the iPads, the shotguns. And there's about $1.2 billion worth of taxpayer property. It's spread out over 176 different state boards and agencies. And we lose about 1% of it every year. There's a report actually on the state auditor's website you can go look at. By the way, none of the missing uh, property item cases are ever prosecuted in Alabama. That's another big problem we have. We need to work with the attorney general and the local district attorneys to make sure that some of those get prosecuted. Even cases where we know what's missing and who took it, they're just not being prosecuted. Why not? That I don't I do not know the answer to that question
2: so if you look um, did a little research there's uh, Shad White I guess is the auditor in Mississippi, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. and so I was looking on his Facebook page they are prosecuting things all the time out of his office like welfare fraud or just embezzlement from different agencies and things they obviously have some sort of jurisdiction to prosecute and arrest that and you don't even work with the Attorney General's office or the auditor wouldn't
1: so in Mississippi, they have sworn investigators and they have arrest power in their auditor's office. Okay. And I know this because I've spoken with Shad White because I want the Alabama Auditor's Office to emulate what the Mississippi State Auditor's Office does. They have about 150 employees. We have eight or nine. It's, it's less than 10.
2: So you've just shrunk over the years. That Not you, but that office. That's has- correct. Would that be awkward if you had shrunk?
1: (laughs) I'm getting slightly larger (laughs) as years go by. The auditor's office is shrinking. 1939, the Democrat-controlled state legislature passed a bill that stripped the auditor in Alabama of the financial audit capabilities, and they gave it to the newly formed Department of Examiners of Public Accounts. Now, if you were to put the examiners back under the state auditor where it should be, and as my bill that I introduced in the legislature in 2021 uh, did, the bill was killed by committee chair unfortunately. But then we would have a serious state auditor's office again. So you've got to ask yourself the question, are all of the public officials and public employees mm-hmm. in Alabama good, honest, upstanding folks who never embezzle from the government? Or are we just not catching them?
2: Oh, that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> I was going to answer.
1: <laughs> because, I'll <refrain. laughs> Because as you noted, they're catching them in Mississippi every single right. week. I follow Shad White on Facebook. They catch somebody every week stealing hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars.
2: Why yeah. do you think the Democrats... Like, what was the motivator behind the 1939?
1: I've heard a story. I, don't, I can't speak to its authenticity, but I'll share the story because it's a good one. So apparently Big Jim Folsom used to say, I'll Ooh. lie to you, I'll cheat you, I'll steal from you, but I'll tell you I'm doing it. Well, everybody thought it was funny, so they voted for Big Jim. Well, the state auditor didn't think it was too funny. The Big Jim was saying he's going to steal and lie and cheat, so he said maybe we ought to investigate Big Jim. Well, Big Jim didn't want to be investigated and got the legislature to strip the auditor of the ability to investigate. So, again, don't know for sure that that's a true story. No, it but sounds it,
2: about right. It, it, it sounds is true. That's Alabama. <laughs> it sounds yeah. just par. Yeah.
1: And here we are 80 wow. years later, and we've never corrected the problem.
0: So we have an opportunity.
1: Well, we do. We really do. And it's going to take people reaching out to the legislature and saying, mm-hmm. we want a serious state auditor's office. The state auditor's office, I say we have a weak state auditor in Alabama, and I don't mean the person in the position. I mean the position itself. Yes, the auditor does still track the property. Yes, the auditor appoints Board of Registrars members, which I'm sure we're going to get to at some point in this interview. But no, the auditor does not do any of the financial audits anymore. They're all done by the examiners. They routinely run behind on their audits. My local university told me they have to hire independent auditors to come in and and do their financial audits so they can renew their bonds. And the head of the Department of Examiners of Public Accounts makes more money than the state auditor and the governor combined. Uh,
0: Okay, which is how much money?
1: Uh, it's over two hundred thousand a year. Sure. Don't know the exact number. Okay,
0: it, it's all just ringing true. <laughs> Good okay. grief! So you bring up this idea that they're examiners, and our listeners are saying, "Okay, that sounds familiar." But what does an examiner even do?
1: Yeah. So the examiners do what the auditor should be doing. They okay. actually go in and do the the financial audits in Alabama. Now, all they're doing is making sure that money is not being skimmed off the top or whatever. But what they're not doing is looking to see, is there a better way to spend this money? Is there any way to save money here or there? And that's another really valuable function that our state auditor should be doing. Who better than the state auditor to look for ways to save taxpayers money? By the way, fits my personality perfect. I was one of the most tough fiscal conservatives in the state legislature the last four years, voted against spending bills routinely, voted against bills that grew the size and scope of government introduce legislation to save taxpayer money, all of it was just killed because in Montgomery right now, there's not much of an appetite for actually shrinking government.
4: Mm.
0: So is that what made you choose to leave the legislature and move over and run for this office?
1: What made me reach that decision this year? And by the way, it was a very tough decision. I'm a first term legislator. You know, a lot of people expected me to serve three, four terms in the House you know, but so changing offices rather than running for re-election was definitely a, a big decision. My wife and I prayed about for a long time. But the reason I finally did it was because I'm literally trying to save our state auditor. Our state auditor's mm-hmm. position is under attack. There was a bill introduced this year and that passed the state Senate with only one no vote. By the way, it was a Democrat that voted no mm-hmm. to eliminate the state auditor's office. The bill came down to the House. It hit the House floor the last day of session. And I had to work the membership. I had to give them all my elevator speech on why the state auditor was worth saving. And thankfully, a lot of my colleagues stuck with me, and we were able to defeat the bill. I think they were 17 votes short of being able to pass the bill. If that bill were to ever pass the legislature, it would go on the ballot as a constitutional amendment to eliminate the auditor's office. And I would encourage everyone in the audience, vote no. Do not get rid of your government accountability position. I think it's a huge mistake.
2: Well, and that's a great, I mean, this is a constitutional office. Correct across the country. And there's a reason why I feel like it was instituted as a constitutional office to be a balance between the agencies and the departments and the legislature. And, and it's like, you've lost all objectivity now that it's in this big bureaucracy of a department. It just feels icky.
1: So it this is de- weird. This department is accountable to the legislature right now. they think there's a board of six state senators and six state representatives that, that this, agency reports to. That's not the way it should be. Right. You want your auditor to be independent. You don't want an auditor. It's
2: very inbred.
1: Absolutely. You don't want your auditor appointed by the governor, for instance. Then your auditor is accountable to the governor. Right. That's not what you want. You don't want your attorney general appointed by the governor. You want those positions to be elected and accountable only to the voters. That's how you know you're getting truly independent audits. Right.
0: So as we know, Alabama fourth graders visit Montgomery. Like that's the year where we study Alabama history. We visit... (laughs) And your office is probably generally not visited by the kids. How can you make it interesting for a fourth grader so that they begin to care about the state auditor's office? It's obviously important.
1: I think kids love to listen to stories. And I think if we can go back and tell them stories about what the auditor's office used to be, explain to them that the state auditor is still, to this day, fifth in line for the governor in Alabama, ahead of the secretary of state, because that's how much importance the framers of the 1901 Alabama constitution put on it and then also give tours Jim Ziegler used to do this he would go out greet the fourth graders give them a little tour show them some of the paintings in the hallways tell them stories and just get them interested in government I mean you're literally the auditor's office is just down the hall from the governor it's not it's not a very large building
2: and that's sad and that most of us myself included had to look up what the auditor does sure I mean that's considered a down ballot race and it is like you're in the capitol I mean, it's just crazy. So yes. that's part of why I appreciate you coming on because that's, we're trying to educate all of us that slept through civics, I guess, in seventh and eighth grade. That's true. Um, <laughs> Guilty. But before we go, what, just your top priorities, you mm-hmm. said you want to bring the examiner department back underneath the auditor. How would that work? Would, would that just literally just shift? And what else are your top goals?
1: So first of all, it's going to be a big transition. It's, it's not going to be something we can do overnight. Right. I think if, and, and and ultimately it's up to the legislature. So I've already crafted a bill to do it. I've got to work the membership of the legislature and get them to try to move the office back. I think that's something that you'd want to take effect in like probably a two to three year timeline right. to provide for the transition. The auditor's office right now doesn't have enough office space even to really pull that off. The <laughs> auditor is split between two to the, the, the capital and then a lot of the employees are in another building. So um I think that's going to be my number one priority when the legislature is in session, is talking with my friends in the legislature, trying to get them to be willing to give the state auditor a chance to strengthen the office. But also, I want to make sure that I've got the basics covered, too. I want to make sure that we're getting our property audits done on time before I start asking for additional duties to be brought on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wow. good. It's, um, it's going to be interesting. I wonder if you win that transition across the street. It's mm-hmm. a kind of a whole different role but I think your time and the legislature probably will serve you well. Hopefully you get a good sponsor for the bill.
1: Yes. Um, that's key.
2: I, last question from me is um, Jim, when his budget got downsized, he literally split his business cards in half. Yes. And so you get like a little one by one business card. Will, that's will right. yours look the same or will you have real <laughs> business cards?
1: Well, I'll probably just pay for my own business cards. And by the way, I'm going to turn down the state vehicle too. I don't need a state car to do my job. I mean, I, I want to make sure that I've run on a platform of small government and I want to keep it that way. And to that, to that, on that note, the state auditor's office budget has been slashed over right. the last few years. There's other years when it's been down 30% that wow. they've cut out of it. This year, I think they added a hundred thousand back to the budget. So whoever the next state auditor is, is going to have like a, I think it's like a $950,000 budget instead of 850 okay. from the year before. And really 850, office can't survive on 850. Yeah. They'd have to start letting even more employees go. Oh, wow. So I think 950, I don't know if that's the right number or not. I won't know until I get in there and begin managing the auditor's office, but I'll tell you this, I'm not gonna request a penny more from the budget than we actually need to run the office. But I don't want anybody to accuse me or or Stan, if he were to win, of saying, hey, look, they said they're small government and they're trying to grow government. Well, no, the budget's been slashed so much already. Right. If you ask for some of it back, you're not growing government. you're just You're just returning. I mean, if the auditor is not able to fulfill his responsibilities due to lack of budget, you've just handicapped the office and you haven't done the taxpayers a favor.
2: Well, I mean, in the end, you're saving money if you do it and you have some business experience all the way down to selling Halloween candy. Pretty savvy, (laughs) but you know, you save money by not losing all the things. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that you forget the iPads and the laptops and the phones and the, I think you said some guns, which I kind of forget about that whole side and just tired. I don't know what.
1: Well, that, that's an important thing to note, too, is even uh, I think the auditor's office could be almost self-sustaining. It could pay for itself with the amount of property that you save, because if nobody was coming behind making sure the property wasn't disappearing, how much more would be being right. stolen? Right. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that's an, that's an excellent point there.
0: Yeah. So are there any last minute things that you want voters to know when they head into uh, the booth?
1: I think so. I think. You know, everyone running for office claims to be a conservative, but I have a voting record to prove it. I've been ranked the most conservative legislator the last three years in a row. My first year, I was ranked number five, so I've never been below. Did f- that
2: offend you? You know, um,
1: <laughs> I remember going to a meeting at Lauderdale County Republican Executive Committee. I announced that I was number five, and that they jokingly told me, "Come back when you're number one." So uh, I, did, I did. I okay, did go back then. the next year when I was number one and and tell them that. But I think simply going to Montgomery and being a conservative is no longer enough. Simply going to Montgomery Mm. and voting the right way is no longer enough. What we need are conservative fighters. That's how I got constitutional carry moving in the state Mm. house. You know, if you just sit there and vote yes or no on other people's bills all day, that's inadequate, in my opinion. We need people who are going to go down there and not be afraid to stir the pot because Montgomery needs to be stirred. Mm.
0: Big time stirred. Andrew, thank you. For coming in today. Appreciate the interview. Appreciate Enjoyed it. it.
2: Thank yep.
0: you. Okay. So I thought that was extremely interesting and very convicting.
2: I, It's really sad and I regret it. So when I was getting my engineering degree, I didn't have to take any history, government. I didn't have to take a foreign language either. And when I sit and I try and learn and listen about these things, I feel so um, ridiculously uneducated. Because that's something we should know. Right. And and when you're only like four, four boxes down on the ballot, you should be pretty important. But I literally I remember I would either um like just choose the coolest name. Oh just who like, doesn't Oh I like I like Mm, what's I mean, if it rhymed maybe if there's some alliteration there or Unusual names. Unusual or if it made me giggle. And that's embarrassing. Well, I think we've
0: all been guilty of the same thing or like texting our friend while we're sitting there voting and saying, do you know any of these people?
2: Yeah. And now I think what I tell people is, okay, if you don't know about a candidate or a race, just leave it blank. Like it's okay to do that. Let the people that are educated on a certain candidate or race do the choosing. Right. But really, sometimes you have to think that when we get ourselves in these positions with our elected officials- it's really our fault because we don't put the time in. We see the billboard. We see the Facebook ad. And we're like, eh, they look okay. All right, that sounds good. But we don't really dig deeper. And I think that's the point of this podcast yes. is to give people enough information. We don't want to overload you, but enough to where you go, oh, I should be paying attention to that. And you go do your own research. So I'm excited to have Jim Ziegler in. He's about to walk in the studio. You never know what's going to happen. So we'll see what his plans are for Secretary of State. Sounds good. Okay, so welcome to Jim Ziegler, our current state auditor who is running for secretary of state. And um, I anticipate this is going to be a super exciting, entertaining little interview because it always is. It's Always fun. Before we get started, I need to say that we did ask Wes Allen to come on. And he um, is just jam-packed for the next week. And we just couldn't work out a time. But he was invited to come on the podcast as well. But we're super excited to have you with us today.
3: Um, Does that mean I get twice as much time <laughs> since I'm be? Hey, gone. it's
2: your show. It usually is. So I we're mean, just going with it. Yeah, we're, we're just rolling. All right. So talk to us. Okay, you, you've been around politics for a while. Um, but give us a little bit of background about... I don't know where you grew up. I, I don't know a little bit of your history and then how you got started why in the world you ran for auditor and now you're running for secretary of state kind of, and you obviously um, were also in the governor's race to begin with. So take us through kind of your evolution of, of how we've ended up here.
3: Well, I am from Sulacaga, Alabama, the home of Gomer, Jim neighbors, who died uh, two years ago. And, um, I uh, grew up and went to high school there. My father was, for 20 years, the mayor of Oak Grove, which is yeah. this suburb. It's kind of like Mountain Brook is to Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> Oak Grove is to Silicon Valley. That's sort of funny. But um, he, uh, he was very much a civic leader, and so I guess I inherited this uh, honestly. And if I can oh. be half as good a uh, Secretary of State as my father, Blois Ziegler, it rhymes with voice. What like a, the person, that is the a great name! Great.
2: name.
0: Yeah, the I people. would have
3: voted
2: for that name. Uh, See, <laughs> Blois, <laughs> we would have circled that in just because yeah, it was absolutely. a cool name.
3: Yeah, uh, he was a wonderful mayor and was twice chairman of East Alabama Regional Planning Commission, which is the 11 counties basically oh. from Gadsden to Auburn, and uh, so I came by it, uh, honestly, but I, um. Graduated from University of Alabama, roll tide. Roll tide. And um, okay. I earned a degree that's very appropriate for a future secretary of state, public administration. Okay. That's exactly what the secretary of state mm-hmm. does. And a degree, a Jewish doctorate with uh, coursework in constitutional law and elections law. Now, how about that? Well
2: so, done. You were ahead okay. of the curve.
3: So on the educational basis, uh, I will put that forward as a very solid basis for a secretary of state. The um, past seven years and four months, and what time is it? Um, in about seven hours, I have been the state auditor. And um, I am term limited, so I could not run for a third term right. as state auditor. Um uh, I've been interested in elections and in problems in the election and what we the public and the leaders can do to safeguard election accuracy and integrity it started in the 2000 presidential race between Al Gore and oh, George Bush the that hanging
2: chad wow. Oh those the, chads
3: the mess in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was so bad and and such a borderline, a constitutional crisis for this country Mm -hmm. that the National Republican Party decided to uh, recruit a team of election lawyers to go each presidential election prior to the election and do preventive medicine to try to spot what problems might go wrong and prevent Mm -hmm. them And so uh, I was selected, and I went in 2004, 2008, and 2012. Uh, In four, I went to the Panhandle, and in eight and 12, I went to Tampa. And it was like I was getting a master's degree in Mm -hmm. election Mm -hmm. problems and how to prevent election problems, and we did. So by the 2016 election, We felt like Florida had really Mm. evolved in terms of its election accuracy and the problems. They hadn't completely gone away. You've got to be constantly vigilant. But uh, by 16, Donald Trump carried Florida. Um, Obama had carried it the two previous times. But um, I'm not a newcomer to fighting against election problems in irregularities I would put that experience and educational background uh, up against uh, anybody in terms of being the chief elections officer of the state of Alabama which is what the Secretary of State does so this is quite a a natural for me I feel like um, I'm where I need to be.
2: Hmm. That's a good feeling.
0: What did you learn when you were getting a master's level education down in Florida that you could apply to the position if you were elected secretary of state?
3: Well, some things would not help or would not Mm -hmm. be applicable, like uh, don't let. Yankees from New York run the <laughs> polls. You know, we don't have as much.
2: You don't have the snowbirds. I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't have that.
3: They have that problem in, in, um, in Florida. We don't have that as much uh, in the state of Alabama. But uh, this was the overriding thing that I learned. An election problem is far better addressed beforehand, mm-hmm. before the election, rather than try to cure it up after the election. And um, sometimes you're in a situation where a problem occurs anyway, and you have to have a recount or a challenge or a litigation. That's not the preferred way to handle potential problems in an election. Anticipate what might go wrong or identify the soft spots and prevent it. But an ounce of prevention is worth Mm. a whole ton of cure Mm. when it comes to uh, election problems. I'll take that approach as the Secretary of State and try to identify what could go wrong and try to prevent it from going wrong.
2: When I was in college, I read um, Stephen Covey's Just for Fun, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's That's when I was back really responsible and together. (laughs) Things have changed. But that's what I remember. It's like try and be proactive instead of reactive. So if you were elected to Secretary of State, what would your top priorities be for the election system? How could we weed out some of the potential issues? Because no system is perfect. But you put in all the safeguards that you can. And then you have to have power to prosecute the things that do go wrong. So what are your top priorities for the election system?
3: I don't know if I could enumerate them as first, second, third. Okay,
2: in no particular order. I
3: I have uh, identified a problem that's kept in obvious. Uh, This, everybody would agree, is a problem, and that is lack of voter turnout. In the May primaries, we had 23% of the registered voters to turn out. Mm. Now, that means when you go somewhere and you see four people, three of them did not vote at all. Think about
2: mm. that. Why do you think that is? Oh, this is a deep one.
3: It, it is. Negative ads. I agree people thinking that their one vote doesn't count. I so disagree with that. We've got the example right in Lee County, Alabama, where the mm. state Senator Tom Watley lost by one vote, one vote. And uh, so if mm. anybody thinks their one vote doesn't matter, and across the state we had a number of elections with 14 votes here. Right. And a couple of hundred yeah. votes here. Uh, one vote does matter. And if you've got thousands of people that think their one vote doesn't matter, then obviously uh, it does. So I am developing a program to increase voter interest and participation. I've got a model to go by. The current Secretary of State uh, ran a successful program on voter registration. Right. Right now, Alabama has the highest voter registration that we've ever had and one of the highest in the United States. Mm -hmm. So the program that was done worked. Voter registration is not the problem now its voter turnout, or lack thereof, Mm -hmm. on Election Day. And uh, I'm beginning to put it together. I'm going to put together a citizens group. And um, it will be a multi-part program. We will involve the churches, Mm. media personalities, athletes, celebrities. That's good. And all of them can give a testimonial for why they go vote and why it's important for you to go vote. And this is um, doable. Mm-hmm. It's shown on the voter registration. When they first started this thing to get people to register to vote, I heard people say, well, people will either register or they won't. Right? Didn't turn <laughs> out to be true. If uh, with the proper program, and it, it did have multiple facets, uh, you can be... Successful. Let let me just give you one fun example. Involve the weathermen, the meteorologist. <laughs> can you Okay. All right. Say start about five days before election day. And all the meteorologists, hopefully they'll get to competing to who can do the best job for this then. Today's forecast, tomorrow, and on Tuesday, Election Day, we are expecting clear skies in the morning and scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon. So, you may want to make your plans on Election Day to vote early to avoid those thunder showers and the traffic that we always have when we have thunder showers. Uh, so, every time that Tuesday is mentioned in the weather forecast the long-range forecast talk about it being election day and you need to make a your reminder plans. yeah okay and uh, now what did that cost the taxpayers Zero. Zero. what did it cost the media outlet nothing nothing a few seconds just a little focus on it by the meteorologist mm-hmm. and it actually improves their forecast because focuses people on the idea that they need to pay attention to the weather because they got to go vote that day. So it's a win-win situation. Now, there there are some people right now saying, oh, that's silly, that that won't make any. I'm going to ignore those folks while I'm getting it done.
2: Just Hmm. block out the haters. Block out the haters, Jim. So (laughs) I thought you were going to say that we were going to have, like, a contest between the meteorologists where, like, if we get 40% voter turnout, somebody was going to shave their head or something, that We're, would be super yeah, we, you fun. you could also do that.
3: You, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're thinking, uh, James Spann's got a coverage there. <laughs> Channel 6 has a coverage yeah. there. Yeah. Channel 13 has a coverage. And see who
2: <laughs> I create a buzz. You know, and, and it's interesting you mentioned churches because There's this whole thought, I feel like, within kind of the church community that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics, and it's a tragic thought in my book because God calls us to preach the gospel and to intervene and to be salt and light to all corners of the earth. That even includes Montgomery, which is hard to (laughs) say sometimes, But, (laughs) um, but I do think that that's important is just... Reaching thinking outside the typical box because what I find when you're trying to motivate people we we really those of us that are in touch with politics and kind of that's our bent. We preach to the choir a lot. We taught it's an echo chamber with who we reach. So I, I think that's a great idea. That's interesting. So what else um, in terms of like machines? Are you on board for getting rid of the machines? You want to go back? Like I miss the old school lever, like those were the best machines. You, they closed the curtains and all the like I'd like to go back to those. Why
3: not? Um uh, I have announced that I'm forming a working group, a citizen working group. We might allow a few politicians on it, but not <laughs> it would mostly be a normal <laughs> citizens working group. And uh, I've had three, four people to volunteer for it already. And a couple people I've asked would they serve, and they, they said yes. And what this will do, we're going to do a comprehensive study of uh, what you might call a management audit of Alabama's election system. Mm. And um, we may or may not Bring in some experts to come in and look at it, or we might see just how far we get with our citizens uh, yeah. looking at it and come up with the soft spots, the ways that can be improved, one of which is the uh, voting machines. Now, in Alabama, it's kind of um, peculiar because we have paper ballots. But the paper ballots are then scanned by a high-tech digital scanner, and and those results go in ultimately into computers specialized for this purpose. And so it's not really the electronic voting machines of the past. You, You sit down and you do the little squares, the little ovals, and you mark your paper ballot, and those are kept... So if there has to be an audit or a recount or there's a challenge of some sort, we've got the paper ballot. That's that's a good thing when it's needed. So what we'll be looking at was this scanner and the interface with the computers and the ability of a hacker Mm -hmm. to hack into the scanner or the computer. And we're told now that it would be impossible, there is no modem, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no chip this, that, and the other. And um, what I'd Mm -hmm. like to do is bring in a bunch of youths, (laughs) a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of teenage hackers, Mm -hmm. and see if they can hack into this thing. Some of these hackers could hack into Fort Knox. And I want to take an Alabama voting machine and see if they can hack it. That what sounds you exciting. think?
2: We'll live stream it for you. Absolutely. We'll I'm listening commentary. to a wall street
0: journal podcast on the uh, hacker right now that, you know what? It's a great idea. So as our interview is coming to a close, what are some last minute takeaways that you want the voters to know about why they should get out and why they should vote for you next week?
3: As the state auditor, I served as a watchman against waste, mismanagement, and corruption. Sadly, we had some of all of that in Montgomery, and we were able to win some battles, didn't win them all. Mm-hmm. As the Secretary of State, I can serve as a watchman against election manipulation, against drop off ballots, against All mail-in ballots against non-citizens voting, against hacking into the system, Mm -hmm. against any method of voting manipulation. So a vote for Jim Ziegler is a vote to put a watchman over our elections.
2: Can I ask one more question? Yes. Is that legal? I don't know what time it is. but Okay, did you see 2,000 mules?
3: Oh, I certainly did. I went out and saw it in the theater with a large group of conservative constitutionalists, and it was very concerning. And I would recommend any of the viewers go online. It's now free, 2000mules.com, M-U-L-E-S, 2000mules.com, and watch it. If you're not worried when you finish watching that movie, watch it again. (laughs)
2: good word. Oh my goodness. That is a good word.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in with us today, uh, for sharing your vision and educating us about the secretary of state's office.
3: Thank you. Thank you so very much.
2: It's uh, it's one of those offices that to be honest, I I don't want to call it a loser office. That's not nice at all, but nobody paid attention to it really. I mean, secretary of state, you're like, "Eh, maybe they do some business things. Some, 2020, everything got really, really important. So we appreciate you running and your commitment to truth and just investigating, just seeing what we find. I mean, I I don't understand why we can't open some of these machines and why we can't, hopefully there's nothing there, but the one machine that they have opened, there was a chip in it and they didn't think it was there either. So I appreciate your transparency and your willingness to kind of, put to rest some of the people's concerns or find something and then let's deal with it. That's right. So that's right. Good luck on June 21st.
3: Thank you very much. Ladies.
2: Thank you. Good. Okay. So that was a great conversation with Jim
0: Ziegler. Who's our current state auditor. Who's running for secretary of state.
2: And I thought he said something really, he's absolutely hilarious. He, I think he's always been that way. And some people think he's kind of quirky and, but like, it's very endearing in that he's just a, person he's not your typical politician which i appreciate in this day and age yes and i think i
0: think the money quote for me from him was that voter registration was increased Mm -hmm. but voter turnout was not i mean we had 23 percent turnout
2: yeah Um, but i thought that was very interesting i'm not sure what it means except that maybe you know John Merrill likes to talk about that he's registered all these people, which is great because I do encourage participation. We have to get people more involved in um, civic, their civic duties. Um, Sorry, every time I say duty, I want to giggle. (laughs) It just flanked my head. (laughs) There you go. I said duty. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we do need to increase participation. But what does that mean if they're really not? getting out and voting. What good is that? That's right. And I I was surprised because I feel like after all we went through from 2020 until now, we would have had, I mean, 23% for a primary is average. Right. They're talking about in this runoff election that there might be 10 or 11%. And in Alabama, the Republican primary and these runoff in a lot of ways, it is the election. It is. um, As we're a Republican state. And it just baffles me that more people aren't interested. Maybe Jim can make it fun again. I don't know. I think it would be also fun because as I, you know, when
0: I ran for office a hundred years ago, it was a day that was eight years ago, it was eight years ago, but it felt like a hundred. Um, but, you know, maybe making it into a, a just a Festivus, the Festivus for the rest, <laughs> the rest of us the- kind of a day, but <laughs> just a kind of, of a a different atmosphere. I think we also have to retrain our brain that yes, we know we vote in November. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that from civics, but we also have to understand that you're right. In Alabama, the primary is the day.
2: And so what can
0: we do um, as people who are involved with politics to make sure people understand the importance of that day that most people are going to be out of town. So to absentee ballot, make sure you have that. Make sure you've registered. There's little things that we can do to tweak that to make sure that more than 23% turn out. And then for the runoff, that more than 10 to 12% show up because those are the people who are deciding yeah. who sits in it's these offices point. for
2: the next four years. So there you go. It's I think it's the whole impetus for why we're doing this show, which, you know, talking about state auditor and secretary of state may not sound all that glamorous or that fun or, but it's really important. And I hope that you all will take this and watch it, share it with your friends and family um, before next Tuesday on the 21st. But we have um, Stan Cook, who I've actually never met. I hear he's a great guy. So I'm excited to meet him. Um, He'll be in the studio in just a minute. So, we have Stan Cook in the office in our studio, not our office. That would be way too serious for us. It would be. Um, I don't know why I said office. But it feels like an office. So, we're saying it. Yeah. Well, try and be official. And Stan is running for state auditor. I've never met Stan. So, I'm excited to get to hear a little bit about your background, kind of why you decided to run, where you came from.
3: Certainly.
2: Uh, anything we need to know about you?
4: Well, um, born and raised in Walker County, uh, born in Jasper, raised in a little small coal mining town called Summiton. Mm-hmm. Used to be called Summit, but because uh, they wanted to apply for a post office, um, they adopted the name Ton on it for, for the tons of coal that they mined. Okay. Uh, so that's how you get oh, some yeah. a ton. So I uh, grew up there. Uh, we grew up a uh, pretty okay. poor community. Uh, you were a coal miner or a farmer, and that was it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we grew up poor, uh, and had to earn a dollar and I know what it meant to, uh, take your bicycle and put a milk carton basket on it and drive up and down the streets and get the Coke bottles good days.
2: and, good days, yeah. Uh, yeah,
4: get a nickel per bottle. And, uh, later on when I was a teenager, I would, uh, instead of doing what most kids got to do was, you know, play football, basketball, baseball, be at practice after school, uh, I would go home and do my homework. And then go to work for drum and coal uh, Ooh, at, this, at the coal mines, yeah. at the strip pit, flat top mine, and re pit. I'd work about five hours a day. Uh, that's all they'd do me work. After school. After school. Wow. Uh, get my homework done, then go to work and come back and do it all again uh, five days a week and earn my money to go to college and buy me a better car.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, so I know what hard work means, and I know what it means to look at that payday and see the taxes taken out.
2: That's not and the
4: appreciation of uh, all the adults that you know, raised me and everybody that struggled the same struggle. Um, later on in life, that would play into my desire to be in politics,
2: mm-hmm.
4: to make life better. Uh, Where would, did you go to college? Um, first uh, college I went to was Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. I yeah. mm-hmm. uh, have a bachelor's degree there. Then I have a bachelor's from UAB. And then a master's from UAB and a master's degree from the Institute of Jewish Christian Studies in Texas. Okay. And then a PhD from UAB and a PhD from Alabama.
2: That's why you so, said first. Okay. Okay. I thought maybe you transferred, but no, uh, you just kept getting degrees. Yes. What are all your degrees in?
4: Oh, they're various um, physics, English, major, minors, uh, and then theology, biblical studies, okay. and that's in the master's programs and then education, leadership, and technology, and then a Ph.D. in administration, higher education administration.
0: So how do you see wow. those degrees that are, should we we need to call you doctor, how would those help you as you are elected to this office?
4: Well, that educational experience allowed me to learn how to communicate on a professional level, mm-hmm. but also know how to treat people, people from various walks of life, from various backgrounds. Uh, taking my own into consideration, yeah. and then how to cast a vision, uh, how to lead people to that vision, uh, let everybody find their purpose. Uh, everybody, I don't, my, my, I don't like to micromanage, so uh, I like to give people a job and turn it over to them, and train them, uh, and let them do their job. So the the personal relationship that's been going on for thirty five years, uh, being an administrator either with the church or our world missions program that we have in Israel, or uh, working for major companies. I I have been the warehouse manager, inventory control property manager for Fisher Scientific, immediate business systems, and uh, Medical Laboratory Associates, uh, which has an affiliation with Cunningham Pathology. That's an old company here in Birmingham uh, that used to exist.
0: So what is your vision for the office?
4: Well, number one, return it back to its constitutional role, Hmm. uh, that it accomplishes exactly what the Constitution says. Stay within the lane of its description. Uh, Don't meander out of the lane of the auditor, but do the auditor's job.
2: Which is what, according to the
4: Constitution? Okay, Uh, number one job is to inventory and take a property management role over all state purchased property with state tax dollars, $500 or more. Uh, That's the number one role. Now, I will run that office differently than it's being run now. Uh, I don't believe in being Montgomery top-heavy. I believe in hiring people to work in the field. So someone in Huntsville, someone in Birmingham, one person in Montgomery, one in Mobile. And uh, let them serve 16 counties and put them in a centralized location where the majority of the property is located. So they're not driving all over the state. There's no reason to have all these employees in Montgomery and that's been, a, that's been a heated discussion. Um, we let them work from home and then come into the office once a month and bring their reports and we can have a meeting. Uh, so that's the number one goal is to streamline the auditor's office with the budget that we currently have. Um, I know other people before me say we have to have a larger budget. And realistically, you do. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to prove yourself too. Right. And so we're, we're going to do that. Uh, the second thing is the Board of Registrars. Is very important. They're on the front line of the voting process, election integrity. So we want to make certain that everyone has a, a board of registrar. In my opinion, a constitutional, conservative Republican.
2: And you have you have one vote, one that. vote okay. in
4: every county, but Jefferson County.
2: Jefferson County always has to be weird.
4: Yeah, and there's a reason why. It's not that it's just weird. Uh, back when the Democrats ruled the roost and uh, they were in control, uh, they set up a piece of legislation where they opted out of the registrar system. Mm. And they, as a Democrat, uh, uh, the the county leadership hired their own registrar and set up an office, a big bureaucracy here in the county. Uh, If I'm state auditor, I'm going back to my Republican brothers and sisters and say, hey, look, we didn't create this problem. We don't want to own it. Let's fix this problem. And I think if I explain it to them, what happened in the history behind it, I think we can get a lot of people to buy in, and we can fix that problem.
2: So what was the motivator for Jefferson County to do that? Just, just to have control?
4: Democrats wanted control.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, just total control. Uh, and a lot of the problems with the auditor's office can be traced back to a Democrat governor, uh, Democrat General Assembly before we had a Senate and a House mm. or a Democrat-led Senate and a House. Uh, they would vote to strip away uh, the power of the auditor's office. It, it became the whipping boy of right. state government. And uh, that's why we have a bureaucracy today in Montgomery, the examiner's office. Right. And uh, they get a budget of $16 million a year from two budget allocations, and the state auditor's office gets 870000 a year.
2: Sixteen million.
4: Sixteen million a year. Eight eight point six million just from the general fund.
2: Oh wow! Did you know that? I didn't know that. I I know they employ like hundred and fifty people. Yes. And you have eight in the auditor's office. So they've really Correct. just stripped the office of the power that it should possess. That's right. part of your goals. Um, what like why auditor though? And how did you get involved? Are you a practicing like? Do you preach?
4: Yes. I pastor a church. Okay. Uh, I'm a district bishop. I oversee 10 churches. Uh, we have a world missions organization in Israel,
2: okay.
4: uh, a school in Bethlehem that we support, uh, an intake center in Jerusalem, um, a couple of clinics around the country. And then uh, we have a small business in Jerusalem that's called Owning History. And what we do is help uh, Christian Arabs and Jewish people get their mm-hmm. Israeli-based market, uh, products to the market. Okay. And, uh, and th- that's very rewarding because they struggle.
2: Well, how do you go from that to wanting, you said you wanted to get involved in politics, which is a bizarre statement in the yes. first place, but then also to choose the auditor's office. Maybe it's because you appreciate how the value of a dollar and yeah. how hard you have to work for that.
4: Well, in, in the early 80s, I had the privilege to work for President Reagan on his first campaign. and uh, Ronald Reagan, the man and the message, were one and the same. Hmm. For the first time in my my life, I saw a politician that told the truth, and his vision for the country was his personal vision, and he talked about taxes. Uh, Now, you'd think we're going through a tough time with uh, Joe Biden. Well, we went through a horrible time with Jimmy Carter. I can remember coming to UAB, driving on the interstate, and there hardly being any cars on the interstate because nobody had a job and nobody could afford gas, and gas was rationed every other person uh, every other day. It was tough. And uh, I remember the battle that Reagan fought, and it was a budget battle. And everything goes back to taxes. And the taxes that the state has is not their money. It's Mm. your money. It's my money. And they tax that money away from us. So, we need responsible leadership and servant leadership in government to shepherd over those taxes. And uh, I pay the same tax that you do, but I want to make sure that they're spending it wisely and hold them accountable for the way they spend it.
0: Mm. So, you know, we've talked a little bit today with um, other guests, but you mentioned something really important a little while ago, and that was about... I did? You did. And that was that, you know, for some reason, people do not think that Christians should be involved in politics. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How would you speak to those people and encourage them not only to make sure that they're registered to vote, but they do vote, but that they also stay involved in the political process?
4: Government by itself is neither good or bad, but it takes on the nature of the people that we elect. Mm. So if you want good government, you're going to have to vote for good people. So Christians should be involved in every aspect of politics. I believe we'd have a better nation if they were.
3: Mm.
4: We'd have a better state, a better county, a better city council. Uh, I think when you come from a Christian point of view, on how you address issues, law, law and order, uh, taxes, uh, that you will be more sensitive to the needs of people and the needs of others. And I think that we can run this state better. So you can't, on one hand, complain about state government and, on the other hand, tell Christian people to stay at home and stay at church and not be involved. You're going to have to be involved.
0: Exactly. Okay, so Alabama fourth graders visit... (laughs) Okay, I remember visiting Montgomery. I don't know if you remember. Did you go to Walker High School?
4: Uh, I went to Dora High School.
0: Dora High School, okay. Okay. So I don't know what grade y'all went to Montgomery, we went in the fourth grade. And, you know, they visit, and your office is right there where everybody can, you know, they can come give you a little visit. So why would you, or how could you make a fourth grader want to stop by your office and find out what you do?
4: Well, if uh, we know that the fourth graders are coming, what we'll do is we'll greet them in the doorway and we'll stand out there in the lobby and uh, as they come through the metal detector in the front door uh, we'll greet them <laughs> and we'll invite them in and we'll make them feel welcome and we'll make them feel like that that capital belongs to them and uh, escort them around and that would be a treasure to be able to do that i, I might add uh, that i did do those tours and my first experience was to meet uh, george wallace as governor
2: Oh, wow. And
4: uh, I did not realize at the time when I was meeting the governor that the secretary that I passed by would be my future mother-in-law. And she was the recording secretary for the governors. So she served like six governors in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she had been there. She was a fixture at the state capitol for a long time. Wow. And my father-in-law was a uh, bodyguard. And uh, so, uh, but going in to see Governor Wallace at the time, and none of that's on your mind when you're a kid, but uh, it's it's funny how that all came together. That's
2: pretty cool. That's funny. That is really funny. That's amazing. Well, is there anything else we need to know about Stan Cook or what your plans are for Alabama or your plans for this office?
4: Well, I'm going to bring 20 years of warehousing, inventory control, Mm. property management experience to the job. I'm not going to have to learn how to do this job. I've already done this job just for corporations. And I bring that background to state government. I think I can bring a Christian uh, view and also a business view, not a uh, capital Montgomery swamp view Mm -hmm. of government. Uh, Realizing that there's going to be bumpy roads and everybody's not going to agree with me. Uh, So patience and virtue will work uh, in that aspect of the job. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to serving the people because I think the people need that window of accountability to remain open so they can look in on state government and see how their money's being spent.
2: Well, and build that trust back because we We really don't feel like Montgomery or D.C. does a great job um, taking care of. And what you said is so important and it's a paradigm shift for a lot of people of having Montgomery needs to view it that that's not their money. It's the people's money. And even from our side, we are so accustomed to just, oh, we're just paying our taxes, we're just paying our taxes, and never thinking about how the government is spending it. And it is so important because it is. It's it's our kids that suffer, and especially right now, it's so apparent um, as gas tops $5 plus a gallon. Yes, um, How much those just tax breaks, small things. Um, I, I think I read a statistic that each this was in Mississippi but each conviction of um, certain crimes and fraud their their auditor's office works a little differently because they do have jurisdiction to prosecute cost the taxpayers like nine hundred thousand dollars 1.2 million dollars to prosecute and go through and I'm like if you can prevent the theft on the front end, mm-hmm. Then Correct. we, and it's amazing how all these little pieces go together. If you can just do it right the first time, then everything kind of falls into place. So your inventory management would come in very helpful.
4: And I believe there's some other ways to save the taxpayer money. And and, and just to give you one quick different view of running government. Yeah. Um, we want to buy everything in Montgomery. We want to own it. We want to put a label on it and say this is ours. But when you own it. You have to fix it when it's broke and you have to pay another state employee to come in to service it repair it or maintain it if we go to a leasing program on every piece of property that can be leased like copying machines and computers and cell phones uh, and we lease those then there's a relationship between the vendor and the department not between government agency and government agency Mm. and now there's a different level of accountability between that vendor that is supplying the printer or the copying machine to that agency and uh, things will not go missing or right. they will not be uh, missing for long
2: right. without
4: <laughs> a red flag being waved.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Very much so. Thank you for coming in today. It's so nice it's to an meet honor. you. It's good to
4: meet you. It yeah. really is. I'm
2: really glad to have you.
0: Well, we want to thank you for tuning in for this special edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am Amy Beth Shaver along with... Allison Sinclair I'm
2: not Scott Beeson I hate it I I can't believe Scott couldn't be here he missed it he's probably really nervous wondering he probably is is
0: but you know what it happened and we're grateful we We are thankful for you for watching for listening we hope that you will go to all of the social media channels when our show drops make sure that you like it you share it give us a five-star review and you know what we'll see you next time thanks